Hello, leaders. Welcome to season four of the Leaders Lead, Leaders Read podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae Scroggins, bibliophile and leadership researcher. This is our space to talk about leadership, being a leader, leading oneself and others, thinking carefully about our leadership practice and reading broadly to keep learning. This season, we have a treat, well, several treats for you. We will interview authors Aaron Hingston and Captain David Marquet, authors of When the Gift of Giving Leaves You Empty and Turn the Ship Around, respectively. We will also cover classic books Night and Dawn by Elie Wiesel and Comandante by Rory Carroll. There are some other surprises along the way, so I hope that you will stay with us for this season. It's going to be amazing. Let's get to it. Hello, leaders. Now that you've heard the interview with Captain L. David Marquet, I want to tell you a little more about why this book is so on time and why I highly recommend this to leaders of all levels, but especially emerging leaders. This book, and I think I said this in the interview with Captain Marquet, but this book is, it's a manual. It's a handbook. The title of the book is Turn the Ship Around, A True Story of Turning Followers into Leaders. I have the 2012 printing. Um, There is a workbook. It is translated in other languages. And it is so worth your investment and your time and your study. There are four parts to the book. Part one, you're going to hear me flipping. It's called Starting Over. Part two, Control. Part three, Competence. Part four, Clarity. And then there's a an afterward with a catch-up, you know, where are they now kind of idea. Um, Stephen Covey wrote the foreword in this book and from the intro this book is packing a big punch um with the problem defined very early of the leader follower leadership model the i tell you what to do and you do it way of leading and following um and he uses his time in the Navy as a case study. The problem is the leader follower model. And he says leadership in the Navy and in most organizations is about controlling people. People can accomplish a tremendous amount through the leader follower model, particularly with adept bosses. And he really sets this up beautifully. People who are treated as followers have the expectations of followers and they act like followers. Um, Then there's something that just kind of sits there. (laughs) We're still in the intro, y'all. 
Those who take orders usually run at half speed, underutilizing their imagination and initiative. And I will say at this point, in a leadership role right now, I am benefiting so much after the fact from my conversation with Captain Marquet and from reading this book because I have direct reports where I am seeing the limitations of fellowship. And you name the structure, you name the institution. Leader follower is what we push. It's what we promote. If you're going to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. If you're going to lead a team, you have to know how to be on a team. There's no I in team. And all of these mantras that develop over time. Um, Captain Marquet makes a great point after this. While the message is, quote unquote, empowerment, the method, which is it takes me to empower you, fundamentally disempowers employees. And this drowns out the message. My note next to this uh, sentence is, where was this book when I needed this? Where was this book when I was in, when I was in a doctoral program studying leadership? And so the solution becomes the leader-leader model. At its core, Captain Marquet says, is the belief that we can all be leaders. And in fact, it's best, the structure is best when we all are leaders. The leader-leader model not only achieves great improvements in effectiveness and morale, but also makes the organization stronger. These improvements are enduring and make structures significantly more resilient. Structures begin to spawn additional leaders throughout the organization. Naturally, it cannot be stopped. You begin to create a a process where independent thinking is welcome. And here's my challenge because the role I'm in right now, uh, there are some tight processes that have They're time tested. They are proven. They work and they have worked. And it's not that they cannot be changed, but they have morphed about as much as they are going to morph. They do not impede productivity. They do not hinder efficiency. Um, When we work the plan, the plan works and it works on time or early for us. But what I'm finding is this new breed of employee is different. I do work in a non-military setting. And what we're finding is the younger the employees are, um, the more they want to highlight their uniqueness. And in interviewing a recent candidate, I did say clearly in the interview, this is not a place to innovate. It's not just because of the way we're built and what we do and how the processes allow us to keep doing the work. We do the same kind of work every day. The content changes of here and there, but we do the same thing. And so we look for people we can train in the base processes where repetition gives you experience and repetition gives you expertise and repetition will help you increase your speed. And we're finding 
so many hindrances to training and blocks in this learning process with trainees. And I find I'm dealing with followers and it is tough um, to help someone see that they have freedom to be here, that you belong here, that you're wanted here. Like there are some, some social things we have to address and there are uh, underlying conditions within the individual that come up to the surface. It's not just about um, making followers into leaders by poof, giving you room to do the job. There are mindsets that are confronted and Captain Marquette explains to us how he got on that vessel and everyone just wanted to know what their orders were when he would ask a question outside maybe the purview of the job or the purview of the orders uh, people were like deer in headlights and I'm finding when I give people room to make simple common sense decisions it's still within the framework of the process but I am getting Bambi <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> um, deer in headlights because they need more structure they I've had already been told by one of the trainees, hey, I need you to basically tell me what to do. I need more structure on this task. And I'm thinking, how do we implement the leader-leader model uh, and help people confront their limiting mindsets and limiting beliefs to move away from a controlling aspect into a dynamic in an environment and a culture where leadership is welcomed by everyone regardless of position held and worked. Captain Marquet says this, ultimately this book is a call to action, a manifesto for all those frustrated workers and bosses for whom the current leadership structure just isn't working. We need to reject leader follower as a model and view the world as a place for leaders everywhere to achieve this vision. Whether you are a boss, an employee, a teacher, or a parent, you will find ways to work towards this goal. And then he lets us have it. <laughs> so we get the cast of characters for the non-military among us. We get a list of uh, names and positions. And then the book begins. And he tells us how his, and I love this because every leader has an origin story. What we stand on, the hills we're willing to die on. We built those soapboxes. We formed those ideas and positions from early inspirations. And he's, he tells us from jump where his ideas of leadership were formed. And my note in the margin here is every leader has an inspiration that is formation, whether it is another human being, a movie, a dream, a song, there's something on the outside of us that gets to the inside of us, something we observe uh, externally that we feel internally that helps us work through uh, the leadership we are observing and we begin to make decisions uh, with every job, with every role, with every interaction. And eventually that forms what I call our philosophy of leadership. So from the beginning, the first question is, how has failure shaped you? 
And it's almost like a shifting of gears after hearing early inspiration. And then boom, how has failure shaped you? And you can look for more of these kinds of insightful questions throughout the book. I am flipping through, let's see. One of the things that limits our learning is our belief that we already know something. <laughs> How true is that? Um, simply exhorting people to be proactive, take ownership, be involved, and all the other aspects of an empowerment program just scratched the surface. And this is something that really makes us think at the end of each chapter, there are questions to consider. And these questions are some heavy ones, y'all, that... They force us to sit with our thoughts. They force us to find our words and to really look at the environment we're in, how our leadership makes an impact or not, and how we are moving the followers among us toward being leaders. Also with this book, one way that you'll track with it is Captain Marquet gives us a timeline. This kind of takes us through his career, this phase of his career. And then the you get to see the scope of time that change happens. And so we learn how things run on a Navy vessel. We learn... Um, about the culture on the ship. Um, and in my opinion, there was such a great word picture, one after the other, being formed that you felt like you were there, you felt like you were in the room observing. And I really appreciated that with this book. There's a section here on how to embed a cultural change in your in your organization. The starting condition, you had a discussion with your leadership group and identified some sort of cultural change the group mostly agrees to. What you want to do now is embed it into the organization independent of personality. And there is a process that's here and then um, a bit of coding and analysis and then how to write in new practices into company procedure. When you're trying to change employees' behaviors, he says, you have basically two approaches. One, change your own thinking and hope that this leads to new behavior. Or two, change your behavior and hope this leads to new thinking. He chose the latter, acting our way to new thinking. So this is where we get into the part of leadership that is modeling, that is being an example, uh, which is high up, up there in the characteristics of servant leadership, definitely with transformational leadership, authentic leadership. Um, there are other models out there where modeling, uh, being the change you want to see is part of the leadership role. Let's see. What you'll also find in this manual handbook of Captain Marquez is um, 
ways it's like a coaching session where you get a chance to see what how he began to change his behavior to upgrade the thinking around him there are book recommendations also in this book and um we learn how to discern the mechanisms for control the ways that we have been using control in the leader follower model and then what is necessary to uh, transition into the leader leader model in this chapter called i intend to you're really going to need to earmark this one just trust me um it opens with how rewording our speech dramatically changed our level of proactivity Inspection mentality is a morale killer, he says. This is the practice of focusing solely on the next inspection. In education, this might be teaching the test. You know, in in our work or office settings, this might be, uh, this is the next review. This is the next performance appraisal. And moving away from that. And so what he used was, I intend to, to turn passive followers into active leaders, getting people to think out loud and to voice their plan. And when, and he was able to say, okay, go do that or make a modification and then say, okay, go do that. Um, the key to your team becoming more proactive rests in the language subordinates and superiors use. Here is a short list of disempowered phrases that passive followers use. I request permission to, I would like to, what should I do about, do you think we should, could we, dot, dot, dot. Here's a short list of the empowered phrases that active doers use. I intend to, I plan on, I will, we will. The benefit from this simple extension was that it caused them to think at the next higher level. And this is such a powerful, simple thing. By articulating their intentions, the officers and crew were acting their way into the next higher level of command. We had no need of leadership development programs. The way we ran the ship was the leadership development program. And isn't this what we really want, y'all? This is how we want organizational culture to reflect the mission and purpose and intention of the company. We want a culture of leaders. And I think in some places that looks or sounds or imagines to be a bit scary because when we think, okay, everyone's a leader, we think, oh goodness, just a bunch of type A folks running around with their <laughs> with their bam bam bats and everybody has to take cover. But this is not what we get here. We get the best of what people have to offer in terms of solutions and ideas and problem solving and analysis. And we get people who have room to, to flex, who have room to show us what they can do and how they can contribute to the bigger goal. Let's see what we've got here in another chapter. There was an encouragement for informal communications that everything just 
was a bit too too much. So you can have the informal communication, think out loud. Um, and this is what Captain Marquet says, if all you need your people to do is follow orders, it isn't important that they understand what you are trying to accomplish. But we operate in a highly complex world with the vagaries of an ever-changing environment and the opposition of a diligent and patient enemy. It is not enough to put a finger on the chart and hope things come out well. When I, as the captain, would think out loud, I was in essence, one, imparting important context and experience to my subordinates. Two, I was also modeling that lack of certainty is strength and certainty is arrogance. Ooh, isn't that good? I told y'all this was like a manual. Like a handbook. Don't you wish you had this years ago? Maybe some of you did. <laughs> Let's see. Guess I'll wrap up. There's so much more to tell you all. But I think I will just pick one more piece. And then you can get the book and read it for yourself. <laughs> Let's see. Um, there was a section about mentoring where uh, Captain Marquet says, it struck me that I had entered this mentoring practice with the idea of a traditional mentor-mentee relationship and hadn't realized the incompatibility of that hierarchy with leader-leader. I learned as much from them as they did from me. Hence, we were practicing a mentor mentor program i love this because this is the first time i've seen in print what i have ascribed to in years of mentoring from time to time someone will come and say hey will you mentor me in this area and i'll say well what are you going to show me let's talk about what your strengths are how to Let's talk more about why you feel I can help you in this area. But let's also talk about what you're doing. What can you, what can you teach me? What can I learn from you? And it's surprising because people are coming uh, humbly, you know, and they're wanting now to be an empty cup to be filled with all of my wonderful knowledge and experience. I can't even get that out with a straight face, y'all. And I, they are surprised. When I say, well, what are you bringing to this relationship? What can you teach me? And they're like, huh? I've never had a mentor who didn't just want to tell me what to do and want me to follow what they said. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, we're going to have an exchange here. And I think that's what we see with this leader-leader model. So when you get to... Um, one of the last chapters of the book, Instituting the Leader-Leader Model, is what this section is called. The core of the leader-leader model is giving employees control over what they work on and how they work. It means letting them make meaningful decisions. The two enabling pillars are competence and clarity. And so there is a review list of the mechanisms outlined in the book mechanisms for control, for competence, and for clarity. And identifying excellence, it's really, this is awesome. And so I guess I'll leave you with this part. 
Don't empower, emancipate. I wrote in the margin, this is page 212 and 13 in this version of the book. And I told Captain Marquet, by the time I got to these two pages, I wrote in the margin, this chapter was so worth the wait because empowerment is a movement. It's a, it's a thing we say, it's a thing we do. And I don't, I had not considered before reading this book and before speaking with Captain Marquet that empowerment suggests that I have power to give someone else. And I think for most people, we use the word empower, but I think the spirit of our effort is emancipation. But we don't really use that word. And emancipation has other connotations below the surface, right? What a follower becomes without the release to lead. Um, I think emancipation is such a purposeful word for this. Empowerment is needed to undo all those top down, do what you're told, be a team player messages that result from our leader follower model. But empowerment isn't enough in a couple of ways. First, empowerment by itself is not a complete leadership structure. Hello, cue the bells, cue the lights, cue the streamers. I mean, like more cowbell here, right? This is such an eye-opening point. I'm totally fangirling here. Second, empowerment still results from and is a manifestation of a top-down structure. See, our, our, the spirit of our effort says emancipation, but what we continue to do with empowerment is continue to lock people down. At its core is the belief that the leader empowers the followers, that the leader has the power and ability to empower the followers. We need more than that because empowerment within a leader follower structure is a modest compensation and a voice lost compared to the overwhelming signal that, quote, you are a follower. It's confusing, he says. Emancipation results when teams have been given decision-making control and have the additional characteristics of competence and clarity. You know you have an emancipated team when you no longer need to empower them. Indeed, you no longer have the ability to empower them because they are not relying on you as their source of power. And this is where I close the book. Y'all, this book was life-changing. It now sits next to essentialism for me. I keep telling people about it, about the principles in it. I keep flipping the pages. How else can Captain Marquet coach me with what I'm looking at right now in my role? And I hope that you will give this book a chance. I hope that you will add it to your library and you know how we do. We don't loan out, loan out our copy. We buy more than one so that we can give them away. <laughs> uh, but I really would love to know what you think when you read this book and how you apply it because there's so much good, good wisdom in here for us. And Captain Marquet's on YouTube. He has his own site. Um, you can track them down yourself. And there are other leadership books that I am making my way to that are by Captain Marquet. And hopefully he'll let me talk to him again about his, <laughs> about his other books. But 
I'll stop for now. Thank you for your time and your ear. Um, And please send a message when you read this book. I'd love, love, love to know what you think about it. So until we're together again, lead well, read well. Leaders, oh, they lead. Leaders, oh, they read. This episode of the Leaders Lead, Leaders Read podcast with Dr. Shante Scroggins is sponsored by the Center for Legacy Driven Leadership. The Center for Legacy Driven Leadership, sharing the language of leadership through theory-driven development and toxic leadership awareness. Find us at our online home at www.legacydrivenleaders.com.